Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of your favorite podcast, Hashtag No Filter, the podcast that helps you understand the link between social media and your mental health. I'm your host, Austin. And in today's episode, we are going to look at the future of social media, what's in store and how to stay relevant. As always, today's interview, I have invited an expert in digital media industry. So stay tuned. Social media has rapidly changed over the last few decades. Millennials grew up with it. They were first introduced to MySpace, which then spread to Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and now we have TikTok, Clubhouse, and more on the way. From that this, MySpace, Tumblr, and Snapchat all still exist, but no one uses them or considers them to be any type of relevant social media. The same can be said for Facebook, depending on who you ask. It seems Facebook these days is a two-way split between relatives ranting about politics or business hosting private groups because no other social media platform currently has that feature. TikTok and Clubhouse are the two newest apps in the marketplace. TikTok took the world by storm in 2020, mostly because so many people downloaded out of boredom in quarantine and quickly realized how fun, entertaining, connecting, and unique the app was. TikTok has quickly taken the lead for the most downloaded app in 2020 and does not show signs of slowing as we have further into 2021. Clubhouse is still so new it's on an invite-only basis while the app continues to get set up. It's a place to host live talk shows that are varied by interest and industry. Yep, rather than listening to a pre-recorded podcast like this one, you could be hearing me speak live and even have the chance to ask me a question live. There's been no app like it. And as we all continue to work from home for the foreseeable future, it's a way to connect with influential people around the world all from your phone. I predict this app will blow up this year in the same fashion that TikTok did in 2020. And it doesn't stop there. As our technology advances, so does our desire for connection in new and unique ways. I predict that this year will bring forth some social media platforms present in AR, augmented reality, and VR, visual reality. These types of social media apps will be honed in the coming years and be unlike anything we have seen or experienced yet. Crown will be the days of pre-recorded audio pre-recorded video, pre-shots, and edited photos. Social media offers us a way to feel like we have insight into someone else's life. This is particularly appealing when it comes to celebrities of all statures. What's more exciting than when a celebrity or someone you really like goes live? You're seeing them in the real time. Now, what if that happens in virtual reality? What if you feel like you're sitting with them in their living room, asking questions and having a conversation where you're at home? The possibilities are endless. And to help us gain some new perspective, I have invited an expert in the field, Dr. Bianca Wright. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me. To begin with, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Right. So uh, my name is Dr. Bianca Wright, as has been said. I'm the course director for digital media. In terms of my practice, I uh, have worked as a technology journalist for over 20 years, where I've been covering the industry and trends. And my particular interest in terms of academic research and scholarship is in immersive technologies. So the broad field of extended reality, virtual reality, augmented reality, 360 video, those kinds of things. We mentioned AR and VR earlier. However, how do you define them and what's the difference between them? 
So I think that's a that's a very good question because the industry is full of terminology that quite often becomes quite muddied and uh, vague in terms of things. And so I think we can see things along a spectrum. So essentially any kind of immersive technology that we're talking about in this context is one that uses virtual or digital assets to create some kind of environment in which you can either enter or experience in some way. So augmented reality is something that probably most people would be more familiar with because you've probably used a Facebook filter or an Instagram filter and have made yourself into a bunny or um, had rainbows shooting out of your mouth or your eyes or something like that and played along with that. Essentially, augmented reality is overlaying digital content on top of the real world. And so you use your phone and your camera as a way to, as a window almost, into this kind of virtual or digital world. Um, And so you can see your real face as you would in the camera, and you have things um, that are overlaid over that, which might be, you know, ears or uh, a different mouth or whatever. Or you are using your camera Uh, as a means to recognize a target. So, for example, a QR code is a very simple example. You use a QR code reader, and what it does is it recognizes that image and it serves you some form of digital content, whether it's a video or text or still images or audio. Um, And so that's really, you know, when we think about augmented reality, the probably the most famous version of active um, augmented reality is Pokemon Go, uh, where you go out into the real world with your camera and find virtual creatures, virtual Pokemon, uh, and collect all of the points. Um, Virtual reality, on the other hand, is about an immersive experience that takes place in currently in a headset. So um, a virtual reality headset essentially takes you into another world. You put it onto your face and there's different types of virtual reality. We can have virtual reality that's mobile based. In other words, you take your mobile phone, you clip it into a headset and you strap it onto your face and you experience a virtual world. Most virtual reality is computer generated. So it's 3D environments that are created within the computer and uh, that you experience through something like um, an Oculus Quest, which is a sort of mid-range, self-contained VR headset, or higher-end versions, things like the HTC Vive, um, or lower-range versions, things like the Google Daydream, which is mobile VR. So it's really a spectrum. It's about accessing digital content in different ways. Um, VR takes you into a virtual world where augmented reality brings the virtual into your own world, if that makes sense. How does mobile AR work? Can you explain the core components that make it work? Well, the first thing is that um, you, there are devices now that have native support for augmented reality. So AR Core and AR Kit are systems and technologies embedded within mobile devices that allow uh, those devices to engage with augmented reality in various ways. So that has changed over a period of time. Initially, our mobile devices were not um, natively good with dealing with augmented reality. But essentially, it is, as I said, about the use of your camera as a mechanism both to recognize a target, something that can have 
um, the digital displayed on it, but also as a viewport to allow you to see both the real world and um, and the digital assets that have been produced. So when you look at something like Pokemon Go, you see uh, the you know your the road outside, the grass across the, the the field through your camera as you would if you were taking a picture. But in addition to that, you also see a, a, a virtual creature. Uh, that's overlaid on that. And so having access to the camera allows the digital to enter the real world, if you will. Can you explain to us how does a virtual reality affect today's technology? Well, virtual reality is being used in a number of different ways and in different fields. And I think sometimes we have an idea of virtual reality that comes from popular film. And uh, maybe we we are expecting something like a Ready Player One kind of environment in which we're completely immersed all of the time in this virtual world. We're not there in terms of the technology yet. So um, I think it's about a balance. So firstly, there are some very specific use cases for virtual reality. We've seen a great deal of very successful use of VR in fields like medicine and health, um, particularly around training. So the ability to train people to do surgery with virtual reality training simulations that um, offer a virtual body for you to work on and to practice and to use particular skills and to visualize in particular ways. There's been a lot of success with that. Um, We've also seen a lot of interest from particular industrial sectors, things like oil and gas, which have been using it for everything from health and safety. So being able to visualize the components of um, parts of the machinery or parts of the pipeline to a training. Again, training is a very popular use of it. And of course, now we're seeing a lot of use with it in terms of gaming. Um, And in terms of the customer, the consumer side, that's where a lot of consumption of virtual reality actually takes place. More so than uh, other forms of entertainment, gaming has kind of become the the, the buzzword in terms of um, virtual reality and its use in that kind of um, area. But I do think that that's going to change. I think that as the technology becomes more accessible, both financially and technically. Um, in other words, we're already seeing pricing points go down. And the minute you have pricing points go down, more people have access to it. We'll see more innovations with what we can do with virtual reality and more applications in terms of it. Considering how much AR is a part of social media today, do you think AR will take over social media in the future? I think it will certainly have a role going forward. And I, you know, if I had a crystal ball and I could anticipate what was happening, I, I might not be doing what I'm doing now. I'd certainly be living in the lap of luxury because I think everybody wants to anticipate what the next big trend is. But what I will say is I think we'll see the evolution of augmented reality and maybe it won't be called that or maybe it won't be viewed as something different as it becomes more mainstream. I do think we've seen, you know, a lot of uptake around the use of of augmented reality filters and backgrounds. And certainly the pandemic has uh, emphasized to us this kind of blurring of the lines between the digital and the the analog, the real world and the virtual. Um, And so I do think that there will be evolution of this Um, this use case, because that's what it is. It's a use of the technology for a particular 
uh, purpose, but I also think that there might be extensions of it. So there might be ways to think about this beyond just a fun moment in time where you are playing around with your appearance or making yourself appear like you're in a different world. I think what will happen with social media and augmented reality is that there'll start to be new dimensions to it. Um, so perhaps, for example, uh, as we see things like holographic technology evolve, we might see those digital things coming out of the phone and into our space in holographic form. We're, we're very far away from that, but longer term, that's a possibility that something that could happen. Social VR has seen an increase in users. Do you think it will be the future of social interaction? Depends if we get it right or not. I think that's that's the main thing. I think the problem with social VR is that it's very gimmicky at the moment. Um, and I also think there's a lot of potential for the negative parts of the internet to enter social VR. So if you think about um, an environment like Twitter and all of our initial expectations about what such an environment might be and being able to open up conversations with people all over the world. A lot of what happens on, on Twitter is, is trolling and, you know, um, very d- uh, focused on division of people and groups and, and all of those kind of things. So I think social VR, because it's quite intimate and it's this notion of creating ourselves in virtual form and then entering um, what is perceived to be a virtual but also a real space, I think there's a, a vulnerability in that. So, you know, I would think that Social VR platforms need to consider things like how um, gender dynamics work and the safety of of um, people of different genders in such spaces, particularly since we've seen how that plays out in other environments, racial um, dynamics and how that may, may play out in terms of that. And then, you know, generally hate speech, um, aggressive acts. I've seen some really interesting, but quite often disturbing examples of, of where social VR could go. So um, open worlds in which anything is possible, um, you know, and, and if anything is possible, how do we avoid the worst parts of the internet? Um, you know, the parts that make you really uncomfortable and really uh, disconcert you in some way in a space in which you might feel like you're actually there. And I think that needs to be dealt with. That being said, though, I think that the pandemic has certainly showed us that we, um, that there's a demand and a need to translate physical and real world experiences into virtual for those moments when we can't engage, interact, and so on. And it's also shown us how we can bring people together around the world um, virtually, and maybe we can grow, you know, grow that up, scale that up in some way into into social VR. So I think it's very much in its infancy. There is a lot of gimmicky stuff around there, but there's also some interesting things. You know, look at Facebook Horizons, um, the ability to play games with your friends, the ability to feel as though you're in that room to engage with people. I think perhaps the answer is a selectiveness in who can enter your social space in the same way that you can have a select 
business of who is your Facebook friend, but not necessarily who follows you on Twitter. Those are two different approaches to the social. So I think social VR needs to be cautious initially um, because there's a lot of potential for exploitation of the technology. There's no doubt that social media can impact our mental well-being. However, with the rapid development of VR, is there any possibilities that it might harm the user's mental health? Well, yes. I mean, what I've touched on already in terms of the negative parts of the internet sort of translating into virtual spaces, I do think uh, there's a potential for that. I also think that the kind of abstraction that happens when you spend, spend all of your time in virtual worlds, we don't know yet that impact. We, we've seen over the last year or so the kind of impact that being isolated, quarantined, locked down has on people and having only virtual ways to connect with each other or primarily virtual ways to connect with each other and and the impact that that has had on people which hasn't been wholly positive. Of course, this is an unusual situation. So it doesn't mean that going forward, um, virtuality is necessarily going to be a negative thing. But it is something we need to think about. We need to consider um, where the balance is and and also how we can use these technologies to help people. So um, I'm very fortunate in my position as course director of digital media to have one of my third years working on a virtual reality app that is about anxiety management and reduction, that is about mental health awareness and mindfulness. And I'm also very fortunate to be connected with a a company in the US that is providing a challenge brief for our students. And that company is called TripVR and they do a similar thing. So they have a guided meditation and various other forms of um, mental health exercise, if you want to call it that, um, available on the Oculus system. Uh, The problem with that is, of course, it's only available to people who have Oculus um, devices. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of negatives about these technologies, but I also think there's a potential for pos- positives, and we need to think about how we balance the one with the other. In January 2019, you participated in the Spark Festival that holds in Hong Kong. What was it about? So the Spark Festival is a British Council-funded festival um, in Hong Kong that's around creativity and innovation. And essentially, what we were asked to do was to showcase uh, different ways of thinking about creativity and innovation. It was a three-day festival, and it was held in uh, a former prison uh, that had been converted into an art space. And we were fortunate enough to have a Uh, an installation in that festival, which was the culmination of the efforts of a team of staff and students from Coventry University. You were the principal investigator of the AR Prison Break Project. Can you tell us more about it? So, um, So I was the digital lead and I also did the narrative development. Essentially, what we wanted to do with Spark AR um, Prison Break experience was really to think about how we could augment, and I'm using that word very specifically, a performance, right? So what we did was we created physical sets. The students built and designed physical sets in the space that we were given in the festival. 
Um, and so we, we had a very limited time to do this. We arrived um, essentially a few days before the festival was to take place. Um, they We had to source all of the materials in Hong Kong. We sourced all of those materials and we built those sets. We were very fortunate to have the services of um, our costume design department at Coventry University who had designed uh, physical costumes, which were amazing. And the students took on the role of uh, actors as well within the experience. But on top of that was layered an augmented reality component to it. So what would happen is that users will, would enter the, um, the, the prison block that we were in and there would be an onboarding experience. So there would be the sense that you're going through a portal into another world. It was based on science fiction because of my own interests. It was a kind of um, anime style, manga style uh, approach to sci-fi storytelling with, I suppose, some very stereotypical or cliched uh, characters. There was a warlock, uh, there was a kaiju, there was a mech and uh, they were a team of heroes, if you will, who were taking on uh, a villain. And so what would happen is that they would enter, they would have their devices, their phones or their tablets, and they would be told to download the app. We used Zapper, which was our platform, so they had to download the Zapper app. And they would come to various points in this experience, which had real actors who would interact with them and real sets. But there would be points in which they would scan um, a Zap code using their phone and they would have content delivered to them, whether it was a video, an audio clip, text or something else. And as they moved through this performance, they were trying to solve the clues and figure out what was happening in this prison break experience. Um, and so, yes, it was a mix very much of physical performance and uh, digital enhancements of that performance through augmented reality. For last question, if you can predict the future, which social media platforms will be the next trend in the future? And why is it? Um, I suppose if I could predict the future, as I said, I'd be independently wealthy and wouldn't need to worry about <laughs> working. Um, I, I would say that it's going to be driven largely by the market. I think we've seen a change in social media that's been driven by an increasing awareness and conscientization around privacy issues, security issues, exploitation of the audience. And I think um, I think there's certainly a market for an ethical, sustainable social media network that um, that addresses those concerns in very particular ways. I can't say that I see um, necessarily one emerging at this point. I think Clubhouse was very interesting. Uh, I think the data breach has made people think again. I think there are issues around the fact that it's exclusive and that it's platform specific, um, where social media by its very nature and design is meant to be able to scale up to mass. So, And you can't do that if it's exclusive um, and platform specific. It needs to run across all devices um, and, and be accessible to all people. So uh, I think that... Um, Privacy, security, transparency will be the watchwords for social media going forward. I think there's an opportunity for innovation. I don't think any of the current social media are going anywhere anytime soon. You know, we've been predicting the death of Facebook for years, and yet 
Um, it, you know, like the cat with nine lives, it keeps coming back. And there's a huge critical mass of people that are still on Facebook. Uh, and of course, Facebook owns Instagram. So I think that a lot of the big social media that already have a user base will be looking to spin that out into other ventures um, and possibly be looking to acquire smaller, newer, uh, disruptive, more upstart kind of social networks that might emerge over the next few years. Um, but I do see certainly much further down the line, um, a blurring of the lines between the different immersive technologies. So, you know, what is augmented reality? What is, what is virtual reality? What is mixed reality? And a blurring with different social networks in different ways. So no easy answers, but I think the watchwords will be sort of ethical, privacy-driven, um, but also going where the users are and, and taking them with you on that journey. Well, thank you so much. And I'm really happy to have you as my guest. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Dr. Wright gave us so much to think about. Social media has changed so much and so quickly over the past 20 years. And in many ways, governments and societies have been slow to keep up. Social media keeps growing and evolving, but we'll see whether Dr. Wright's predictions come true. Who knows? Perhaps we will all be living in some sort of augmented or virtual reality in years to come. Thanks for listening to Hashtag No Filter with your host, Austin. I hope you enjoy listening to my podcast. However, this is the last episode for this series. I hope this podcast can help you further understand the impact of social media and mental health. As always, feel free to search nofilterpodcast.recite.com slash podcast. And also, make sure to follow me on Instagram, no.filter-podcast. Thanks again, and I will see you next time.